When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Inside Syracuse Basketball Podcast, presented by Krauss Health, the exclusive healthcare partner of Syracuse Athletics. So welcome back to another edition of the Inside Syracuse Basketball Podcast, and this is uh, another in our series of podcasts. It's sort of like a It's Your Life version uh, leading up for Jim Beheim, leading up to Syracuse's big day on Saturday, February 24th, where they're going to honor Jim Beheim at the Dome. And joining us this time is a former player for Syracuse, who also happens to be Jim Beheim's son, <laughs> uh, Buddy Beheim. Buddy, how are you? It's great to see you. Hey, Mike. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. And yeah, great to see you as well. Yeah, so this is uh, really kind of a big deal event coming up on Saturday. Um, you know, we talked about it a little bit before we hit the record button on this podcast, but you know, tell me, are I, you know, are you excited about it? Are you looking forward to it? And and, and how's your dad doing with it? I'm really excited. Uh, I think we're all, you know, really worked out. I think my mom's the most excited. She wants it to be a perfect day and a great weekend for him. And uh, that's how moms are, especially especially her. But uh, I think my dad's kind of downplaying it. You know, he's he's busy. He was just at Kansas for that game. He was at Duke and Cameron calling that game so he's keeping busy and he's trying to not think about it as much but I think uh deep down he's really excited and, and he can't wait just to see everyone for to be back in the dome get that recognition he, he uh so much deserves and you know it's it's going to be a very special day and I can't wait to, and I'm you know I'm as excited as, as anyone you know I'm really wondering you know I know the event at the dome will be a big deal but there's going to be other things going on that weekend with a lot of former players coming in. Right. And I got to figure at one point so, or maybe a couple points over this weekend, there's going to be some emotional time here for him, isn't there? Yeah, I think he, I mean, even last year, it just, it just ended so abruptly. And this is kind of the first time we've got to celebrate, you know, his career as a whole and having his former players back, I think is the best way to, to show that and really reflect on all the success, all the memories that he's had as a coach. And there will, it will definitely be an emotional weekend. I know for our family as a whole, and then I know for him, it's going to be kind of setting in for the first time and just, uh, just, it's going to be a special, special weekend. Well, I know it's probably going to be a little bit of a challenge for you to make it because you're playing still with the Motor City Crews. And they're scheduled. I mean, how do you, are you going to be able to work that out? Or is, uh, have you talked with dad about it? Yeah. So I have talked with dad about it and he's just a basketball guy first. He's saying, you know, we play the 23rd, the game, the game's the 24th. And then I think we play the 25th. So it's kind of hard to, I'd probably miss two games if I were to stay. And he's like, you know, you got to go back and go play. You're in the middle of your season. You're playing well. I know him being a former coach, he wouldn't want a, a player missing, you know, two games. And uh, that's he, he just, uh, you know, downplaying that he, he wants 
you know, not too much attention. He wants just me to focus on what I'm doing right now. And that's, that's how he is. He's always putting, you know, our family first, my brother, myself as basketball players, he wants us to be successful in our careers. So that's just how he is, but I'm, I'm really torn. I think my mom's going to be the final say. I know she wants me to be there and and what she says goes and he knows that. So if she, she puts her foot down and says, I need to be there, I'm going to be there. So I'm really, I'm debating still. I know it's going to be an incredible weekend. So we're, we're still figuring that out. Could the crews move a home game to an alternate site? I don't know. Maybe <laughs> Syracuse. I mean, wouldn't that be a hell of an event? That would be an event. That would be an amazing, you know, play Friday, Syracuse play Saturday, and then we play again Sunday in the Dome. That would be incredible. I know there would be, they would make some money off because I know a lot of Syracuse fans would go to the game, probably have more than the fans we have now, much more, and it worked out perfectly for all parties. Sure. They've had <laughs> NBA exhibition games there in the past. Why not a G League game? Get the Westchester Knicks in town. Yeah. I think it's time for that. That's a good idea. I'm gonna, I'll am i let them know. All right. Give you plenty of notice. <laughs> uh, what about Jimmy? I know he's in Germany playing pro ball over there. I figured that's going to be a little bit more of a, of a challenge. Yeah, unfortunately, he's he's pretty locked in over there. It's hard for him to come back at all. He hasn't been able to uh, this season, probably won't till June when he gets done. But uh you know, my parents visited him for a week. That was enough for my dad. He was ready to get back and get back on this, get his sleep schedule back, eat American food again. So he was, he enjoyed seeing Jimmy a lot, but he was ready to go. But uh, I'm, I'm probably going to visit Jimmy after the season. And I know he'll, he'll be up. It works out because the game's at 12 and it'll be six o'clock there. So he won't have to be up at 2 a.m. watching and he'll be, he'll be tuned in. I know that for sure. Let's talk a little bit about your dad as a coach, because you've got such a unique perspective on this. <laughs> what did you know of him as a coach before you came to play at Syracuse? What did you uh, know? Honestly, not as much as you'd think. I mean, I, I would go to practice every day as a kid and all that, but I'd go to watch the players. I'd go to be around the coaches, the the managers, uh, to work to get shots up on my own. I think I was more worried about getting a workout in and you know practice ending so I could get on the court. So I wasn't too, I wasn't too locked in on him. I mean, I know he, I know he could yell, that's for sure. But uh, he he had a loud voice, and if you know you you had an attitude or a talk back, it would not end well. So I think those are the two things. I knew right away going into college is to not not give him any funny looks like my brother would do growing up and talk back to him like Jimmy would do. So I think I learned that from the house and that helped me on the court a lot, especially early on, because I saw it so much with guys. And uh, I just knew that he, you know, he, he loves basketball and uh, he's going to he, he's intense. But he also is uh, every time he would get on someone, I would always notice after at the end of practice, he would go over to that guy he yelled at and would talk to them one-on-one -on -one and kind of smooth things over, which I really appreciated. And something I picked up early was he always, you know, he would yell at me as a kid and he'd come upstairs after and I'd be crying and he'd make sure I was all right. And, and that's kind of something he'd do on the court. He had that caring side to him, even though, you know, he can get on you and, and obviously can yell pretty good. So that's something probably one of the biggest things I noticed before I, I got there. What would he yell at you about? 
<laughs> oh, we, you know, a lot of things. Me and Jimmy would would always get in fights growing up playing basketball one on one. We'd yell at him as official, as a ref. Uh, I had a big sweet tooth, so if I didn't get, any, if I couldn't have candy or ice cream that night, I'd be upset. But I was definitely the best child growing up. So that's more for Sissy and Jimmy to to talk about. I don't know that I believe you there, buddy, but okay, we'll move on. <laughs> <laughs> That's well, fair. You've been kind enough to grant an interview here during the middle of your season. We'll, we'll let you go on that one. <laughs> That's the reason I went to the six overtime game. It was my, I was the best kid growing up and I said, when am I going to get my reward? And they said, okay, you can pick. And I picked the 2009 Big East tournament, I think it was. And that was six overtime game. You would have been awfully young to be staying up until 1.30 in the morning. I was. I think I was 10 or 11. And after the game, I went to McDonald's with some of the walk-ons and managers and went overtime game the next night against West Virginia. Wow. So you're sitting there at Madison Square Garden for the Connecticut six overtime game. I mean, at a, are, are you awake the whole time or what was that like for you sitting right behind the bench, I imagine? It was a scene. I feel bad for my mom to this day. Uh, second overtime hits and I'm just sweating. I can't because I'm a mega fan. I mean, I cry after every game, so I'm wide awake. I'm, I'm my face is red and second overtime comes. I, I just my mom's like, all right, we got to go because I'm, you know, cry, like almost crying. And we go back to the locker room. We're sitting in there with uh, with Bob Huggins and he's eating celery sticks and watching the game they just played before us. And I'm on the couch in my on my mom's lap pretty much just barely looking at the TV and he said you know you guys are going to win this I'll see you tomorrow and left right in the third overtime and I was in there till about the sixth overtime halfway through we're up eight and I'm like all right we're gonna win and I head back out on the to where our seats are but yeah I couldn't watch the overtimes on the court. So you missed Andy Routens's three-pointer at the end of the third OT? Uh, I mean, you didn't miss missed it you saw it on TV. I heard it. I heard it and I saw it on TV and it seemed like every overtime they had a chance to win. So that didn't help either. <laughs> Still one of the better stories I think I've, I've had for my experience as a kid. And I can just imagine Bob Huggins sitting there. Yep. Just as calm as anything, probably. Just lounging, just, you know, relaxed. And it's me and my mom in there and he's just calm and, and, having a chat and telling us, all right, we'll see you tomorrow and walked out and play them tomorrow <laughs> night. <laughs> and you wind up when you go to Syracuse in the uh, 2021 NCAA tournament, you, you wind up playing against Bob Huggins and that West Virginia team. Yeah. Uh, he talked to me before the game and uh, we had a little laugh here and there. And I was just, you know, it was a crazy experience because that's one of the coaches I really got to interact with as a kid. And, 10 years later you're playing him in the ncaa tournament so that was pretty cool and he probably never expected to see you again <laughs> i don't think so <laughs> um so what did you learn about your dad either as a coach or maybe as a person but you learned it after you started playing for him uh i think i knew him pretty well uh, i mean ever since i was a kid i just I gravitated toward him and I just wanted to be around him. Uh, like, you know, we were pretty much best friends since I was six, seven years old. So I really knew him well. I knew how he got, I knew his little quick, you know, when he gets upset and, and gets, you know, something's on his mind, he, he's pretty stubborn about it and gets pretty irritated. So 
I knew those little things. I knew what he wanted, how he wanted it done. Um, up 20, down 20. I knew, you know, those little things are going to, he's going to get upset about. And, you know, I think I just, I just had a lot of patience with him with that stuff. So I think that helped me a lot going, growing up. And then once I got to Syracuse, just little things like that. But I mean, the biggest thing was, is he just, uh, you know, he believes, he believes in his players. It doesn't matter who it was. Um, he, he always would, you know, look at the positives, even though in the press, whatever may sound like he might be beating this guy up, but one-on-one, if we're talking or we're at practice, he, he, you know, he has confidence in his guys and he, I think he really maximizes guys' talents. That's what I saw is he gave guys confidence. I think, I think every transfer that came in had a huge year that year they came in. I think guys that, you know, came to Syracuse had big, big careers, you know, played really well because, I think my dad put them in a position to to go, and I think he pushed the right buttons. And I think more times than not, he he really got the best out of his guys, and and that's what I think I realized he does at such a high level, as well as his in game adjustments, just how calm he was in timeouts and situations and half times. I mean, I don't even see that at the highest level. I don't see coaches come in and really make a adjustment that he can make at halftime, and it really changes the whole rest of the game. And he did that half times before games. I mean, he's just X's and O's. I was, you know, I was as impressed as I thought possible. Uh, I didn't think, you know, I, I never was really that attentive to his X's and O's growing up in high school and stuff. And then I saw it firsthand and timeouts and halftime. And I mean, just the positions he put us in, it was, you know, it's, it was, it was pretty, pretty uh, incredible to see. This isn't so much a question about your dad, but maybe more about you kind of growing up within the program. But like those times when you were able to to go over to practice, whether it was still Manly Fieldhouse or or the Mellow Center, which which former players interacted yeah. with you the most? Which ones were the, like the guys who would either play around with you or maybe as you got a little older, actually offer you a little bit of advice? So definitely the walk-ons growing up uh, were big for me, the managers and walk-ons. I think, you know, they didn't feel my dad yelling at them and his wrath sometimes and, and be in his doghouse because they didn't they weren't playing. So that was always guys that I, I could get along with pretty well. Um, and then, I mean, there were some guys that is Johnny Flynn was one of my favorites. Uh, that's when I started, you know, I was 10, 11. So I was starting to get a little older. I was too young for GMAC and, those those days uh, I don't want to make T feel old I already do enough but um, I was too young for him then I was four so I was 10 and 11 when I started to you know get on the court and mess around Johnny was one of those first guys uh, I loved Renzi on Iwaku as a kid I started wearing 21 because of him I'm not sure you know why we have different game styles I'd say but I just I just loved him as a player um and then, you know, Tyler Ennis was great to be around. Michael Carter-Williams, I really started to, you know, we play one-on-one here and there. He'd mess around. Uh, you know, he had, he had brothers my age, so that was cool. Um, but just, I mean, a lot of guys that uh, – it's, it's there's such a big list. I think I really would interact with a lot of guys. Wes Johnson's one of my favorites. Uh, but then as I got older, high school, you know, I, I worked out with Tyson Frank my junior year of high school every morning with GMAC. And that was like really when I started getting into, I would play pickup with the guys uh, that sophomore, junior year of high school. And uh, kind of just felt like I was a part of part of the team doing workouts with them. And that was really, uh, that was special for me. And and I think 
you know, got me to where I, where I got to in that point in my career and allowed me to play at Syracuse. This is a question I've never asked. And I actually, I've never even thought to ask this. I, I don't know why for all the years I've known you, but if your dad had surprised us all by retiring at the 2016 final four or even the 2018 sweet 16 run, you know, he said, okay, you know, I said I was going to coach a little longer, but I want to go out now. <laughs> you still go to Syracuse. Yeah, definitely. hundred percent. I think maybe there's more of a recruitment process. I think teams, a lot of teams just didn't contact me because they knew right away. I mean, I'd get a call here and there and then that was it. But, uh, maybe take some visits. Actually, I didn't take any visits. I went to Syracuse. I knew it from when I was five years old, I was going to Syracuse if I was good enough. So uh, that made it easy for me. But I mean, it, it would have been, you know, Hop or GMAC probably Red. I mean, obviously Red would have, if when he got in, uh, if Hop left, it would have been Red. So I would have definitely went to Syracuse 100% and played for him. But uh, you know, maybe there would have been more of a recruiting process. I kind of wish I got to take visits and see how it worked out. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, that, that's how it is. But whoever took over uh, then, I would have, you know, if it's Syracuse family, I'm going to go there just as much as if my dad's there. And my dad still would have made me he, – he said no. He would have not let me go anywhere else anyways. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you remember a real – coaching moment may and especially if it relates to you that you that your dad had while you were there do you remember like either a game where he either had like the perfect game plan or maybe made the the ultimate like um tweak to yeah. something at halftime or maybe there, there was a huddle that you remember that's this a really cool coaching moment yeah before the virginia game my sophomore year uh we went to virginia we put in a wrinkle into our zone and it was pretty much, we called it forward and the forwards on the wings would stay up on the wings and the guards would stay and take the high post away. And then the center, I think it was Barama would have to go corner to corner and close out. So we, instead of the guard bumping the forward down, we kept the forward up and they guarded the wings. And I think it's because they had Diakite and Jay Huff down there. So we didn't want them to, you know, we didn't want the high low to beat us. So we we're okay with, with them getting the short corner, we just didn't want the high low. So we were trying to keep it out of the high post and we did that. And, you know, I think they had 50 points, whatever. We went to overtime. We had 15 points in overtime, 20 points, and we won the game. And I mean, that game plan kind of, you know, they, they all Virginia's offense against the zone has always killed us the year before they had 18 threes in the dome with, they had obviously a final four team and they lost some guys, but, Tony Bennett was really good at, at zone offenses, I thought, my whole career. So that little wrinkle of that game, I thought, threw, threw them off enough. And I think they were pretty they were pretty dumbfounded, dumbfounded and didn't know how to how to beat it the whole game. They were kind of looking around. And it's, you know, when you do that against Virginia with one of the best coaches in college basketball and uh, that game plan kind of helped us win the game. So that was one that it was it was impressive and just to throw that idea out there and see it work like that was pretty cool. I was always wondering how your dad handled the NCAA tournament in 2021 in Indianapolis. You know, this was the whole tournament basically played in the bubble. And yeah. your dad is, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong about this, but I always thought that he's kind of like a guy who's very comfortable in his routine. And this was anything but routine. 
So what was yeah. that? What was that tournament like for him? And then you guys, uh, you know, playing off of him out there in Indy. Um, I mean, he did a great job with us. I know that the food part of it was killing him. Uh, like the first three nights, they just brought us plastics trays of food that was not good, and I know he couldn't eat it. And because we had the quarantine, we forty eight hours, so I know that really the food part was probably the biggest part for him. Is his biggest routine is going out to eat wherever we play. He goes, if we're on the road that night, he's going out, he's finding an Italian spot, he's finding a steakhouse to go to. So that not having that option really hurt him eating in the hotel uh, buffet with the team. Somewhere. Like he'd come down, we'd have practice and he'd, we'd all be down eating before an hour before 30 minutes. He'd come down five minutes before, grab a piece of bread and be like, all right, this is my lunch for the day and just complain about it. But he just stayed in his room, honestly, probably watched a lot of TV and movies. Uh, he can be lazy, which is good. He likes being lazy on game day. So that was still part of his routine. His game team day routine was the same. Uh, but I know not being able to go to some restaurants and stuff definitely hurt uh, for him. And uh, yeah, those two weeks added up. But I mean, overall, he was he was pretty good. And he was the same, same old. Uh, maybe to me or my mom, he'd complain a little, but... Besides that, he uh, he was all right. Lazy can also mean deep in thought. Yeah, yeah, he's th he's definitely always thinking of game plans, <laughs> and, and that's that's him. But no, he uh, he was he was still fun to be around. It, it was uh, it was a fun experience. Uh, but yeah, he, the food part killed him for sure. You know, one experience I know wasn't fun, but I have to ask it because I'm. I just think it's, there's probably so much going on here as both a coach and a father. And that's going to be the 2022 ACC tournament. Uh, yeah. I, I'm sorry. You know, you want to take a minute? Oh, it's, I okay. Ask? it's okay. And again, <laughs> I asked this because I kind of want to learn more about your dad as both a coach and a dad. So you have the incident with Florida State, the punch, Wyatt Wilkes, we all know what happened. And the ACC de decides to suspend you for the next day's game against Duke. And I was just really wondering, because he's got to be both a coach and a dad at this point, because there's no way he's just a coach anymore, right? No, yeah, no. So what was that like in the in like those 24 hours after Florida State before Duke? Yeah, it was definitely, emo it was very emotional. Uh, probably the most emotional, you know, at day of my career and, and probably up there for him. But uh, I mean, just after the game, I mean, I didn't think I don't really, I didn't think it was a crazy punch again. I mean, but it is what it is. It was obviously a bad play, but my phone was blowing up and I couldn't go on my phone. You know, it was a lot of, a lot of hate comments and that's, you know, that was what it was, but I was, wasn't, I didn't really know what my dad was going to say. I didn't, you know, I didn't really think about it much until the game ended. And then, I'm getting off the bus. I'm the last guy and he's in his seat kind of waiting for me. And, you know, he just looks at me and I didn't know what he was going to say. He's just like, you know, kind of, kind of like not upset, but just like, what were you thinking kind of thing? Like, you know, and I was like, I don't know. He's like, it's all right. Like, you know, it is what it is. Just forget about it. We'll, we'll deal with it. We'll see what happens. Uh, very like, you know, it was very, it was very nice of him, and uh, he was from a caring aspect, just making sure I was all right, and he knows me. He knows I would never do anything like that intentionally, so he wasn't, you know, he wasn't like, what are you doing? What's wrong with you? He was just like, it's all right. It happens. It's part of the game. Uh, we'll figure this out, and 
I know right away he was making sure I wasn't going to get suspended that game and was doing everything he could to put calls out. And just as a coach, making sure I was playing and as a father, just making sure that wasn't my last game. So I know he was scrambling. And then, you know, we found out two hours later at a team meeting and, you know, I just cried and, and he hugged me for about 30 minutes and it was, uh, yeah, it was very emotional. So he was just super caring though. And uh, it was, it was special for me to have him there. And uh, yeah, just seeing that side and, and just, uh, you know, making sure that he, he just wanted to make sure he, he was proud of me and was there for me. So that was special for me. You know, I know, we talked throughout your career at SU about how, hey, he's, you know, your coach. He's yeah. In the huddle, in the practice, on the floor, he's coach. And you had to know that, right? Yeah. It's just sort of, I don't know, ironic's not the right word, but in, in your very last moments as a Syracuse basketball player, he had to be both again. He had to be dad then. Yeah. Yeah, he definitely did. I think that was – he, he just he put his dad hat on and, you know, he wasn't even he was thinking about he was upset about the, me not playing in the game, obviously. But, you know, he just wanted to make sure I was OK. And uh, I just, you know, that meant a lot to me and everyone that, you know, even everyone that said things about me, whether it was on TV or, you know, I should be suspended or not. He 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 was upset at them, that's for sure. And uh, he let them know when he saw them. And, and that meant a lot to me because. You know, he had my back and he had his players back. I think he would have done that for anyone. And that's just the person he was. But, uh, yeah, as a dad, he he was there for me. And that meant, you know, everything to me. And, uh, yeah, he was uh, – he's – that's – that was special. Just even though it was a terrible event, it was, you know, to have him there, you know, as my coach and dad at the same time, uh, I needed that. How quickly did he turn around, though, and become coach again for the rest of the guys and install that defense. Yeah. What was, was it a, it was a triangle in two, wasn't it? Yeah. It it's was Stymie Duke. It was, yeah, it was, it really was genius. And it just shows what he can do. I mean, I think he was thinking of that, you know, with a couple minutes left in the Florida state game, he, we got a gym time at St. Francis and he, you know, he put, put that together during that game and was like, let's go there and put this in. We went there uh, we walked through it for 10 minutes and said, all right, we're going to try this tomorrow. Uh, Cause you know, you can't play that team zone. They're just too good. They have too, they're too complete. So we just said, we're going to make these two guys beat us and, and we're going to take these guys away. And I mean, really could have probably should have won that game. And uh, it, it would have been probably one of the bigger upsets and wins, I think with everything that was going on coach K's last season. So that's what he does. He he just finds ways to elevate his teams and, you know, help us compete and give us a little advantage. I've seen teams use a triangle and two or a box in one before, but never for more than like three possessions in a <laughs> row I, to play it for as long as they did against Duke. Uh, again, that, that, that's, that's some serious coaching. Yeah, it's, <laughs> He's going to lay it all out there. He's not going to try something and do it. And if it doesn't work for a couple of plays, say, okay, that's it. He's going to, he's going to stick with it. And he's going to say, this is what we're playing. And I don't care what anyone says. And if it works, it works. If it doesn't, okay. So that's, that's him. And I love that about him. He's just, uh, he's a pure coach and he's not going to bend or break for anyone. 
How do you think uh, Saturday's uh, February 24th is, is going to be for him? I mean, emotional? Yeah, I think it's definitely going to be an emotional, emotional day. It's really the first time he's, he's, he went back for the NC state game for Dave Bing, obviously, but this is for him and uh, expecting a huge turnout, expecting a lot of former players to be there and just a special, not just game, but weekend of activities of dinners of meet, seeing people again and just uh, being reunited with so many memories. And uh, I mean, that's Syracuse, the dome is his, it's his second home. It's where he spent, you know, the most part of his life for 60, 50, 60 years, which is just crazy to think about in Syracuse. And uh, it's kind of the first time he's been able to reflect since, you know, kind of abruptly how the last season ended, how he retired. And uh, now he gets to really full circle. This feels like the official retirement and just kind of the the celebration of it, because we didn't really get to celebrate it last year with how it ended. And now we get to and uh, I know it's going to be emotional for him. It's probably going to all hit him pretty fast, but uh, just so excited. He deserves it all. And it, it better be a, a big, big thing because he deserves it. Before I let you get out of here, buddy, I got to ask you one question. I've asked this particular question of everybody who's joined us this week on the Inside Syracuse Basketball Podcast. But your dad comes to Syracuse from Lyons, New York in 1962. He plays here. He works as an assistant coach here for Roy Danforth. He takes over as head coach and then has a 47-year head coaching tenure, which is amazing. What is his legacy? What, what, what's his, uh, the, uh, the ultimate legacy for Jim Beheim uh, here at Syracuse University? Uh, I think he's just, Jim Beheim just said, uh, there will never be a, another Jim Beheim. First of all, I don't think anywhere. Uh, 47 years is, is incredible. I don't think it will be repeated again at another school. Um, but more importantly, just the pure love for basketball, the relationships, the just the amount of dedication and, and greatness year after year he gave to a program, a city, to people and joy, the joy he gave them in, in cold winters. And he just showed up year after year and he took it that year at a time. And he said, you know, I still love this. I'm going to keep going and he, look how far it got him. And, and he still loves it to this day. But I think everything he left behind will never be repeated. And uh, he just he made Syracuse a much better place than when he found it. And just uh, a lot of people he touched. I think the biggest thing is how many lives he got to impact and people on and off the court. He got to inspire, coach, see grow and help him grow uh, as a coach and a person. So uh, there will never be another Jim Bayon. Well put, even by his son. <laughs> <laughs> no wonder you were the best child. There you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, buddy, know, listen, thank you so much for joining us here on the podcast. I hope you are able to make it to Saturday's game. I hope the cruise lets you go. And if they don't, at least have a good game. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, my dad will he'll be mad if I don't have, you know, a good game. So either see you there or, uh, you know, looking forward to this skin release. Great talking to you as always. Yep. Thank you again for joining us on the podcast. Uh, we'll see you again soon. Thanks. Join us next time for the Inside Syracuse Basketball Podcast presented by Krauss Health, the exclusive healthcare partner for Syracuse Athletics.